Welcome back to Merlisten. Today we are going to do the second part of our Arthur slash Gwen episode. Merlisten, if you are a first time listener, which I doubt at this point, but who knows, is a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin and we discuss the show, the fandom, the pairings, the characters, basically anything that comes to mind and that we have an opinion on, which is everything. I'm Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And we are joined again by our two guests who were already here for part one of this episode, who are Gigi Zelda. And I'm May. So, welcome back. In the last episode, we talked about Arthur and Gwen in canon, what we like about the ship in canon, what we don't like about the ship in canon, what we wish had been done differently with them by the writers and things that we absolutely adored and thought were really well done. And today we are going to look a little more at the fandom side of things for this pairing. But first we're gonna hear some news. The Merlin Broken Telephone art game is coming back for another round and this time it's extended to writers as well. So signups open in April if this is something you are interested in. For anyone who hasn't been caught up, the Broken Telephone art game is currently posting and the concept is that someone starts out with an artwork and then this artwork gets sent to another artist in the queue and then this artist creates a new work of art inspired by the work that they received from the former artist and then so on and so forth until at the very end you have a line of artworks that were all inspired by each other. Then after Kamlan Big Bang has finally posted a schedule for this year's challenge so go and check that out if you want to participate. And the Merlin Memory Month is still in full swing and you can join in as long as it is March. So that's that for news. And before we go back into Arwen, we quickly want to do a couple of talkbacks because we still have a lot to catch up on. And since we're doing two episodes for the price of one, we figured we might as well squeeze in some more talkbacks. <laughs> So today we have a comment from Autumn on our character analysis of Arthur. And what they said is, I'm quoting from their comment, My hesitant working theory on why Merlin is the one exception to Arthur's status doesn't matter, we should all be treated as equals thing, aside from the out-of-canon truth that, he, that the writers didn't really know what they were doing a lot of the time, is that it's a combination of Arthur wanting stability and also being kind of oblivious. And I'm not disagreeing exactly, but what I think is a more likely reason is that Arthur has feelings for Merlin, be they romantic or platonic, and he's not good at expressing emotions. Plus, he might be worried that if he shows them, he'll be perceived as weak, because this is a big fear of Arthur being perceived as like a weak king, a weak warrior weak leader basically and we've talked about how Arthur feels safe to show vulnerability where family members especially female family members are involved but not really towards men or non-family members 
So I think that another theory might be that Arthur overcompensates for all the positive feelings he has for Merlin by treating him badly. It's very much like a bully pulling a girl's pigtails, even though he likes her, which is terrible behavior. Please, <laughs> please do not teach your children to do this. This is toxic masculinity at its worst. Don't do it. <laughs> but that's basically what I think is, is happening here. Arthur being mean to Merlin because he actually likes him in some way or other. So that's my take on it. Um, I kind of disagreed with that just because like with um with the argument just because I feel like we've already discussed this but um I mean that theory would kind of hold if it wasn't for the fact that as the seasons progress and as more and more change happens in Arthur's life he actually treats Merlin better as the seasons go on not worse and actually his worst treatment of Merlin I would argue is like in season three like that's when he becomes like most like physically abusive towards him like throwing stuff at him um kicking him around things like that um and then to some extent in season two like you know the those moments where he like you know will throw water at him and stuff so as he goes on like we've already said that it kind of turns into more of like a fond banter so i don't really think that the whole kind of arthur kind of treats Merlin badly to hold some kind of sense of stability in his life as things start going wrong for him doesn't really work and he hasn't actually gone through that much trauma at that point yet like Morgana hasn't betrayed him yet by season three that he knows of Uther hasn't died yet things like that Agravain hasn't betrayed him so I don't really know if that's true but um what I did actually kind of think about while I was reading that response was that we don't actually ever see Arthur with any friends. Like, has anyone ever really noticed this? Like, we see him with a gang, like, at the beginning, like, in the very first episode. And then we kind of see him with a couple of knights, but they're not really, like, his friends. Like, we see him with Leon, but the only kind of, like, friend that we really see him with properly is Merlin, but that wasn't, like, a pre-established friendship. And I... I um I wrote here that the only kind of like relationships we see him in that are like positive are either with family members, knights or love interests, which I feel like that for Arthur was kind of like, I can treat these people well because I have an excuse because this person is my love interest, because this person is my family, because this person is like a brother to me because they're a knight. Whereas with Merlin, he didn't have either one of those excuses because like he wasn't any of those things and so I feel like when he started to care really deeply for him he just like didn't have anywhere to put those but also he does actually have moments you know because we are actually going to be discussing Arwen today so um he does have those moments with Gwen as well like like um for example he you know has scenes where he's mean to her not um not in the sense like where he's where he doesn't realize he's doing it like like uh for example he purposefully hurts her feelings when he's like oh i only came because morgana begged me and things like that and he doesn't actually have like a non snarky relationship with morgana until season three like uh, up until that point all they do is argue so i think it's actually completely in character for him to be that way towards people he cares about it's just that with merlin it was more like oh hang on um you're not my sister. I don't know how to tell. I don't know how to deal with this. So, it was, so that was. But I did put here that I do actually agree that he has a 
like a pathological fear of change. And I think that definitely is the only reason why I can kind of like accept the fact that everyone else was knighted apart from Merlin, because it's like the const, like it's the only constant in his life is that like Merlin is my servant and that is how it's going to stay <laughs> because I can't <laughs> deal with anything else happening. So I think that, that yeah, but, uh, but apart from that, I think that he treats him better as the seasons go on, not worse. So I don't know if that really holds up. Okay, we had one more comment on our Gwen episode from Nicole, and I'm gonna read out the comment. I think that my main complaint about Gwen is just how she just kind of becomes a secondary character, which sometimes may speak up or not, even though she is supposed to be this really important person since she's like the queen of Camelot and whatever not. It's just a lack of opinions from her on almost any subject and how, as Miss Snowfox said, that when she speaks up to Arthur, it's just so out of place for the setting it is supposed to be in. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and what I've said here is bit like that she um, is, we've already kind of covered this, but she's basically used as like this like visual metaphor for Arthur coming around to change and like seeing servants in a different light, which... We didn't, I'm, I'm not sure if we mentioned this in the previous episode, but like, what's really frustrating, like that, like that would have been a really fun arc if he hadn't already learnt those things with both Merlin and Lancelot. Like he's already had that arc. So it's like, she's just reteaching him these things, which just, I, when I watch it, I'm like, hang on, haven't I already seen this? Which is like, it just feels a little bit like kind of repetitive. Um, but what you said about her being a secondary character is, I mean, we've already kind of said that, but I find it very frustrating that the only kind of character development, like, quote unquote, that we get for her is um basically like her journey to becoming queen. And because we know that she's going to be queen, we kind of expect her to start acting more queenly as the seasons go on but for example she has these moments where like she's still a servant where she just completely acts out of place for her station like com without any reason just because the writers need her to act more queenly and i'm thinking of when she interrupts that council meeting like where agravain is talking about the Duraka, and she just like comes out of nowhere like and just starts like like talking about like how they should behave and I'm just like I get where you're trying to go that she's like a independent character and like you know screw men and stuff but I'm like you're still telling a medieval show and this is a female servant who has no say in the matter no place yeah. no mm -hmm. right to speak at this moment please don't do this <laughs> like yeah. find other ways of doing that um and like yeah. I and I wrote here, can you imagine season one Gwen standing up in this situation? Because she is still at the same station as she was then. So why all of a sudden is it appropriate for her to do this? And like, yeah, we just basically said, like, in, like we've already covered that she basically had so many wasted opportunities to grow. And the only growth she gets is because we know she'll be married to Arthur and become queen, which is just such a shame. But and it's definitely, you're definitely right that the storytelling did not go well with that scene with how that worked out is unrealistic. But I think that they, they were counting on the strength of her relationship with Arthur. That like while she's still in the same status on paper, everyone knows that she's Arthur's counsel and she's Arthur's um, companion. Right. And if Arthur was there, she would definitely have gone to him and told him about this. And it was a show of her, uh, her 
passion or I guess her dedication to this point that even when Arthur wasn't there to listen to whatever she had to say, she still went to the next person in charge and confronted him. And he was all creepy about it. Agravane was so creepy to Gwen in that episode. I don't I didn't even do anything with it. Yeah. They just made him so creepy. Um, yeah, but I think that's why he accepted that because he got to watch her talk and then call her over later. Um, but I think that's the difference and why she did this here rather than why she wouldn't have done this season one, but she did do this here because I think that she does have a more a higher unspoken station in the in the castle and with these people. They know who she is and. Um, yeah. I just and wish that that would have been, I just wish that that would have like had a, like if we'd have even had a scene expressing that though, because from like yeah, a viewing point of view, no, like it, from what I kind of understood, like the only people that even acknowledge that Arthur and Gwen are quote unquote couple, like, because obviously like that's a weird thing to say in like a medieval show, like couple, <laughs> but like, um, are uh, the knight like um Merlin the knights at the end of season three and Agravain like we don't see any like common people or anything like a- acknowledge their relationship like if they'd have even had a scene of them like in public I would have like got that but I just I feel like they kind of yeah I mean it was just the same old same old like it, like it was underutilized but I'm just like it would have been nice if they'd explained a little bit more how like how their dynamic worked in season four because that was one of my the things I said last time I was like what is their relationship this season because yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden now she's speaking out in council meetings and I'm very confused yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah but like if that is kind of where they were going with that then I guess that makes a lot more sense like if it was kind of like a given that like oh this is like you know she's very important now kind of thing so that's what I was gonna say like it would be nice to have other people recognize their relationship beyond like the court or like in the court really even because the only people yeah. who ever have a say on it is like Morgana and Uther and Merlin, of course. And granted, they're like the main characters, <laughs> but it would just make it more realistic. <laughs> we have one more thing we want to uh, react to, which is a fan mail we received on Tumblr from the user All of Us with Wings. And we hope you don't mind if we are reading it out, but it just makes us so happy and we want to share it. <laughs> so the fan mail went. I want to say thank you for this wonderful podcast. Even though I still have a great and undying affection for the show, I haven't been active in the Merlin fandom for a number of years. Listening to you guys talk about the characters, episodes, tropes, and fan works made me realize how much I missed it, and I missed interacting with other people who are just as passionate about it. Hell, it's inspired me to write a new Merthyr fic. I'm already at 9,000 words and nowhere near finished. I haven't written this intensely for a very long time, and that's thanks to your enthusiasm. Keep up the good work. And I'm just... So cute. Ah, so cute. so sweet. Well, thank you so much, all of us with wings, for, for that fan mail. It was really, really... made our, It made our day, for sure. Yeah, so. we are really so thrilled that this podcast helped you find your way back to the fandom and to writing for it and to writing overall. And we are super flattered and hope. And if you're writing more fic, that's the best thing I've heard all year. Honestly, <laughs> and I'm... we hope that we'll continue to inspire and that we won't disappoint you or others in the future. Like now, the bar has been set high. <laughs> no pressure. Anyone just talking about it makes people the fandom like I don't know. It's just it's it's neat what you guys have done. It's it's really cool. Well, it was it's just got... put birth out of the, how much like we just. 
we would just like Skype for hours, like every week, just Honestly, being like, we just oh, have I no wish chill, they... and we were like, uh, it's just <laughs> we might as well. All... <laughs> so, yeah, we might as well <laughs> do something with it. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I wish that they'd have changed this. I wish they'd have changed that. And then I would go on a tangent about like Merlin's character arc and how he's a really damaged soul, and then she'd be like, very. <laughs> And should we just do a podcast? It might just make sense. Great idea. Oh, it's but yeah, backstory. We're just so happy yeah. that people like it because it was just yeah, birthed out of how we have no chill yeah. at all. <laughs> way too many opinions mm-hmm. that we feel <laughs> the need to share. <laughs> I was just saying, it's pulled me back into the fandom. I've been like, <laughs> my Merlin vlog is alive again. It's crazy. Yay! And and Geeky found out there is a fandom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the topic on hand. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of how fandom versus canon holds up, like we did this in our Merlin slash Arthur episode where we talked about how the characters are characterized on the show is not necessarily how they are characterized in fan works, which is really interesting because in fan works, often um, the creators will draw more from the actors and how they are rather than the characters, at least if the actors, if the actors themselves are popular in fandom, which for Merlin and Arthur, of course, Colin and Bradley are super popular. I mean, just look at them. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Is that a thing? Do you think, like, that people draw from from oh, the actors? I've never oh, really definitely. seen that. I mean, for sure. I mean, not really for canon fic, maybe, but like, if I think about Arthur in modern AU's, he will often be playing football, which is a very Bradley. Oh, that thing sort of thing. Okay, and like, uh, Merlin will often be a vegetarian, which Colin is. Okay. So, you I know. thought you meant like personality-wise, because Colin and Merlin could not be more different. Like, <laughs> no, like no, just like just like a small characteristic, right? Okay, like like that. Not yeah, not the anti-social. I will only play sad sad characters for the rest of my life. Colin Morgan type of characterization. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never pieced that together, but you're so right. They really do draw from the actors. Yeah. I'd never. <laughs> realized that before yeah. and That's i mean definitely. i don't um i mean i'm guilty of this i don't know enough about for example angela colby in in how she is as a person what she likes to do in her free time and what other roles she's played so i wouldn't recognize this if people did it with gwen in fanfic so of course this is what what we want to what we want to know and we asked um ella ella rose 88 who was uh, who we interviewed? Um, the same question, and here's what Ella had to say. In terms of the differences of how the pairing is portrayed in canon and in the fandom, the massive difference is the amount of focus on the pairing and on Gwen. In the show, Arwen, especially in series one, and Gwen in early series are not shown much together, but in fan fiction or fan vids, etc., there is more of an emphasis on them. When it comes to characterization, I have found that writers build on how Gwen and Arthur are in the show, but delve much deeper into their relationship and psyches. 
Though in canon AU or modern AU stories, you can find situations where Arthur and Gwen may be a little out of character, but in my experience that is rarely the case. So what Ella has observed is basically that Iron shippers, when they create fanworks, do draw more from the from the canon than the fandom or the 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 actors or whatever or make up their own head cannons. Now the problem is you guys don't haven't read any Arwen fanfic. No. Uh, <laughs> I have so read. you can't I am telling you. Well, <laughs> I did like you the little bit that I could like manage in the like <laughs> sounds really bad. I'm busy. <laughs> so looking through some fics, like it's just interesting how they characterize Arthur mostly to me. Cause like he's more I don't know. And I found more modern fix than anything. He's more like suave and he talks more <laughs> <laughs> in fic than he does like Oh yeah, in the definitely. Show. Yeah. I'm really. I'm guilty of doing that. I, I make him way more confident and talky <laughs> than he is in canon. Because that's probably he's very true. confident in canon. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah but not around love like not around Gwen I, I feel. Can. Like okay. I think yeah. he's he's much Shire and and tongue tied, uh, opposite a supposed love interest. Like even with Elena, he's not that not that suave, honestly. <laughs> yeah. such, he's the, like he tries so hard with Mithian, but oh, yeah. quite awkward at times. I would he's love like, to see like a difference between modern AU Arthur in an Arwen setting and modern au arthur in a mirtha setting because i have a feeling like they would be very different <laughs> like arthur in a mirtha au setting i'm thinking mostly of two weeks notice is just like you idiot <laughs> like, I, I imagine arwen he'd be more like hello like i don't know yeah. that exactly. well that is the difference that mirtha fan fictions really do keep the banter and the competition and the, the snarkiness between Merlin and Arthur. And from what I've been able to find in my desperate Arwen searches, and really, if anyone has any Arwen fanfics to recommend, please give them to me, because I have a hard time finding any. What I find is it is a lot of just happiness. Like, I have not found many ongoing big stories about them. It's just a bunch of little one-shots of them being very happy and sweet together, which I definitely love, and I want more of. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's more like there's beautiful, perfect romance, and less on who they actually are as people and what their lives are like. Yeah. I'm reminded um, of a podfig I've listened to, and the, the title escapes me. I am sorry, I will find it later and link it in the post but it is it is a story which ends in Merthyr for a disclaimer it's a story that ends in Merthyr but it starts out with like um Arthur befriending both Gwen and Merlin at the same time and then Arthur marries Gwen even though Merlin is pining for Arthur and it's just in the story it's from Merlin's point of view and in the story there is you can see differences in how Arthur is with Gwen and how Arthur is with Merlin once he starts, like once that Arthur starts dating Gwen. So that was just, I was just reminded of this 
of the story yeah. when you guys when when rock said you know i'm interested to see how how they would be different and they are yeah, different yeah, in the cool. story they are different yeah. that would be that's really cool well idea to mm. actually just compare them side by side in the same story i mean same i think Arthur. it probably would be similar to how we see it in the show that basically like with with Gwen Arthur is just like like he he just is a lot more forgiving to himself for like being nice (laughs) as opposed to like Helen like you only have to look at like I mean how how quickly does it take for him to kind of like start being nice to Gwen not very long whereas it takes him like five seasons to say a nice word to Merlin (laughs) so it's like I think just in general like um I like I think but yeah I mean I I honestly just don't know like if that's because she's like a woman and she's actually a very like sweet and gentle kind of woman as well like because we've seen he's doesn't have the same kind of finesse with Morgana (laughs) he's a lot more kind of like you know kind of um like horrible to her so I don't know like if if Gwen was on the same kind of like sass level, I wonder if like Arthur would maybe be a bit meaner to her. I don't know. <laughs> that would yeah, be quite I an think... interesting AU. Yeah, Gwen is just so sweet. You feel bad for saying mean stuff to her. Like even in, even jokingly, you feel just like kicking a puppy, and nobody kicks puppies. <laughs> or the people who do are terrible, like Agravain. Probably he probably kicks puppies. <laughs> you know he would. <laughs> There are probably aggravating fans out there. Like, <laughs> I, I hate him. I, <laughs> I'm as much an aggravating fan as I think there can be. I, like, I, I think I said last time that we we had to fall in love with him or we would absolutely hate the show as an entire So he's kind of a legend around here. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, just have a blast making fun of him and that's <laughs> great time <laughs> but yeah i think that arthur i think arthur does feed off of off of guinevere's energy i think he goes to her for those soft moments and that and that calmness and sweetness that she has and i think he responds to that and he knows that he will with her you know i think he's like i need i need this these emotions so he goes to gwen because he knows that that's where it'll kind of even out and mellow out and that's obviously headcanon let's <laughs> feel about it Headcanons are fair. I mean, that's what it's about, you know. But I think that is back, like, but I think that's quite obvious in canon, though, as well. Like, I don't think that's necessarily, like, just headcanon. Yeah, like, I think he's, like, I don't know, like, when we, but, I mean, I don't know how much of that is kind of, like, just because whenever we see them, like, she's kind of really soft and gentle just in general. But I think, like, yeah, you're right that he probably kind of, like, if he wants kind of to be, yelled at he'll go to Merlin and sometimes he doesn't want to be yelled at so he'll go to Gwen and be like please don't be mean to me and then she'll still yell at him just nicer yeah well she kind of gets over that eventually but yeah he like yeah he picks fights with Merlin like running around the Mm -hmm. castle trying to find him just to get mad at him for not (laughs) he needs to have this conversation Oh, it's just, we we see, and I can only think of one scene to support this. But in season five, we see some of Arthur being not perfect, calm, in love with Gwen is when he's looking for his his comb, and it and it shows more Arthur's impatience and frustration 
and um not snideness, but yeah, just his his impatience. Like I just can't find it. I can't find it. And then she finds it for him, and then they get all schmoopy again. But I think that it's more of just the show not showing us all of them. I think that Arthur mm-hmm. isn't always that that level of of perfect calm in love serenity with Gwen that it, it shows. Um, I think I think he's a lot more normal around her than the show takes time to show mm-hmm. us, because when once there, it's for Arthur to feel comforted or supported, and that needs softness. And she's gone again, and we don't know. <laughs> so what are, we asked Ella what popular tropes and plot devices are in Arwen fan works. And here is what Ella had to say. God, this is hard for me to say. I feel that for a lot of writers and artists, they really build upon the popular trope that occurs on the show, and that is the forbidden romance. So there was a lot of stories where writers explored how Arwen would develop their relationship, including sneaking around, and all the barriers having a forbidden relationship involves. There was quite a bit of smut as well, considering Merlin was a family show, which allowed writers to explore the sexual side of Arwen's relationship. I actually have a question uh, for you two, because um, obviously this isn't really something I I come across and I just take it at face value in the show. But it like what is kind of the consensus among the Arwen fandom for like kind of um, like Arthur and Gwen's like physical relationship in terms of like, do you guys think that like it happened before they got married or like was it just after they got married? Because I'm I feel like you're not like I feel like you're meant to take it at face value that yeah like they wouldn't have done anything before they were actually married but I don't know if that's like what they were going for or if that's what you guys took from it uh I actually haven't discussed this with anyone else but I always did figure because like we're saying the show's very innocent and fairy tale I always thought that in the show they definitely waited for a safe awesome yeah I mean but even Mm -hmm. like in the real world of kings and queens they would have had to wait because like yeah yeah. You don't want a baby. Yeah. I think that even with I think even with Gwen's character, I don't think she would have gone like I think if Before, anything, no. if Arthur had like not that I think Arthur would have tried anything because Arthur probably was brought up in the fear of bastard sons or, or daughters. Um but mm-hmm. like even if Arthur had tried to initiate something before marriage, it probably would have turned Gwen off him. Because I don't think Gwen would have gone for it. Well, my yeah. only uh, reasoning for that question was particularly I was thinking um, uh, about the uh, the scene at the end of um, his father's son, like with the flowers. Like for some reason, when I saw it, I like like I like after a few times I saw the episode, I thought, are they like with the whole kind of the way that like they it was a bit more kind of charged like the scene and then like how they kind of pulled the camera back i was like are they trying to tell us that like they did something after this like i'm not sure like it feels like they're trying to tell me something but then also, i don't know but then also there was that scene at the end of lamia like where they were being a bit like more flirty. i mean that scene is just dumb but like just like where they were being like all flirty with each other and then they had the kiss and i was like again it feels like you know they're alone in their room it's like i don't know what i'm meant to think yeah Yeah. well i think actually um 
trying to think. I I do. Sorry, words. Uh, I thinking through my interpretation of the characters. I don't think that either of them would object to sex before marriage. I don't think that Guinevere would be against it, given enough time, obviously, to genuinely be invested in the relationship. Um, I think that they would be all right with that. The only question really is um, birth control. <laughs> Um, because that is a serious issue, uh, risk at that time, especially yeah. for her. Uh, but yeah, I'd be really interested in rewatching the show considering that, because I do think it would be in character for both of them to, uh, get up to adventures before their wedding. Yeah. Because and I like, feel like they're not the really portrayed as like sexual characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're like, it's, yeah, it's, really it's like much more about the love and like we never really see that side of them, I would say, like ever, which is why yeah, I'm always kind of like, I don't know if that's like meant to be taken that way or if like it's just kind of, yeah, it's just meant to be it's, this like sweet romance. Fairy tale. <laughs> and, like, yeah, like, mate, like, I, I think I disagree with you just like a little bit. I can totally see where you're coming from though, where like I think that Gwen would want to wait just to be like, you know, um, what will people say, sort of thing. But like, yeah. or, um, well, and then Arthur maybe would be into it. But I can definitely see where you've come from, where you're coming from with the whole, maybe they'd want to do it, especially in the later seasons before they're married. Yeah. And like, I think in the fandom, they tend to, from like, two picks <laughs> scene, um, <laughs> it's, t- it tends to be like, they wait. Or it's like a trope, like a trope where it's like, oh, you know, it's a one night stand sort of thing. So that happens. So like, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think that I think that if what will people say is a worry for Gwen, then she's in trouble because she's because yeah. like, she could be good for it. She's, That's the thing. Yeah, but she's in Arthur's room all the time. Like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. when. When he's proposing to Guinevere, she's in his bedroom making his bed in the morning. Like, like she's making his bed <laughs> in the morning, and he he blindfolds her and takes her down to her house where the candles are set up. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of a lot of private time, a lot of uh, private time in each other's bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so like, even if they weren't doing anything everyone before marriage, everyone would be thinking they were, and that's probably. <laughs> Like, they were all thinking, oh, he's marrying because they had an accident. Because there's a baby, <laughs> yeah. See, that would have been interesting if they'd done that in Merlin, because that was my, one of my, <laughs> my complaints from last week, was like, why doesn't anybody else say anything about this relationship? <laughs> like, this is not a normal situation. <laughs> like, this is yeah. not something that people would be okay with. Like, just I, like have someone say something just to make me believe that, like, people actually can see them like they're not invisible for christ's sake like you know gwen isn't imaginary she is there like just have someone be like oh like who's that lady that's going in and out of this room or yeah (laughs) and if they'd had people just like saying little bits here and there i think it would have made it more interesting like maybe a servant being like oh you know or like kind of like a gossip train of like yeah people talking about Gwen like oh she's spending a lot of time like with so and so I think that would have been really cool but I would have loved that. opened up like such an opportunity <laughs> for like, art, like yeah just because then Arthur could have like jumped in and been like no like 
uh, and like defended her and stuff. Like, it's just a missed yeah. opportunity. Although, if like her reaction to seeing Arthur naked is anything, maybe they definitely weren't interested in doing it before marriage. <laughs> but, like, but she just looked terrified. I was like, oh god, are you okay? He's a man. He's a man. I know. What is uh, that thing dangling there? <laughs> like, Honestly? Yeah. And Gaius is just like, hmm? <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> but yeah, if anybody like who kind of has been in the fandom like for ages and like kind of knows the answer to that, like what's your kind of consensus on on that? Because obviously it's it is kind of a fill in the blank situation <laughs> because <laughs> they don't really show it in the show, so <laughs> So yeah, that that segues us nicely into head cannons, actually. Uh, since we've all you've already been sharing your head cannons, and I just want to share um, what Ella had to say on the question of what head cannons are popular in Arwen fandom, and so on. So here's what Ella said. There was obviously the knowledge and head cannon that in the future Gwen and Arthur would be married. Yay! We saw Merlin as the president of their fan club, and there were some stories written where Merlin was like a matchmaker in helping Arwen get together, which were lovely. For me personally, I loved reading future canon fics where Gwen and Arthur had children, at first because in the legends Gwen tends to be barren, but then I learned from a friend in the fandom, who studied Arthurian legends at uni, that in the original legends, where Lancelot didn't even exist, Arthur and Gwen did have children. So that for me, and quite a few others, was a popular headcanon to imagine Arthur and Gwen with children. Aww. It reminds me of a really pretty fan art by Whimsy Catcher, where you see Merlin as like in 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 nice clothes. I think the assumption is that he was like made court sorcerer. Like this is a an uh, a utopia of a future that we never had on the show. But like Merlin is court sorcerer. He has nice clothes and he is playing with Arthur and Gwen's children. I've seen that fan art. It yet. is a really oh. pretty fan art. I like it a lot. <laughs> I think it's Sweet. in maybe in one of my recommended fan works here because <laughs> I love that picture so much. <laughs> it's yeah. so beautiful. I love Missy Catcher so much. That's like that was something really cool. I've never thought about like if they have kids, especially because like in the show their ages they're like way old for medieval times, <laughs> and they should have like yeah. theoretically should have had kids by then. And, like, I don't know, it would be so cute to see them acting as parents together. <laughs> it's interesting that they never address the fact that, like, they didn't have kids. I just think that's yeah. so funny that they just never bring it up. <laughs> a really, like, They were married for a good time, too, because they got married, like, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time, guys. Come on, let's get on it. <laughs> So I think like one of the headcanons I could see for Arwen fandom that would also explain why they didn't have kids is because I mean Igraine couldn't get ch- couldn't have children she only had Arthur because of magic so the assumption I think is uh, that uh, not not Gwen is barren but Arthur is sterile like he can't he can't make babies yeah, yeah. but in this situation that had nothing to do with Arthur because it's like about the eggs. It's not about like Arthur. Like she couldn't affect that genetically. 
surely. Who? Like, Egrain couldn't pass on, like, 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 just because Egrain had, like, powdered eggs, it doesn't mean that Arthur would be shooting blanks. Like, that has nothing to do with it. No, but I mean, um, it could just be, I mean, the, like, my, my theory is that, uh, because Egrain, because she couldn't have children naturally, because it had to happen with magic, that this child also wouldn't be able to have children right. because of the magic. Like, not necessarily genetically. Right. Not not because of the genetics, but because of how Arthur, in the was end, conceived. was conceived. I see. You know, that's that the magic works this way, that Arthur couldn't couldn't have, uh, couldn't make Which babies. Makes... Which does kind of make sense, because it really was a trade for a life for a life. So if they're like, and we mean it, it's stopping here, he is your last one. <laughs> like, this is not... This is not a gateway to more and more children. Let's talk about some personal favorites. Um, so, first category is favorite episode, and as always, I'm going to start with what Ella had to say. This is so tough, but it has to be 310, the Queen of Hearts. Not only did we get a vision of Gwen becoming queen and being married to Arthur, but we got some lovely Arwen scenes that included a really steamy kiss. Too bad Morgana had to ruin it, lol. But even when it got angsty, it was great to have an episode that was focused on Arwen. Ella read my mind! (laughs) (laughs) I just, it's so true, because they're out and they're in a little picnic and they're having a cute little day and i love it and i just it's cute and it's fluffy and like <laughs> let me feed me all the fluff like like eat that shit <laughs> it's just it's great I can, I can like guarantee that every fan of arthur gwen is a fan of fluff that's definitely a, <laughs> definitely yeah. something we love <laughs> so you two your favorite episode is also the queen of hearts did i hear that correctly yes my favorite episode is With All My Heart. And The Heart is beautiful. Uh, it's specifically Sour One centered. Um, Queen of Hearts and With All My Heart are both beautiful, but I just, I love Queen of Hearts. Okay, so With All My Heart is, is your favorite. It's a good one. Wave. It's so beautiful. It's dedicated. It's beautiful. Oh, and I, I want to cry during that episode. So it's been so long without Gwen. And then she's back and they're so we asked you for your favorite quote so ella ella sent us a transcript of her favorite quote which is a quote between arthur and merlin actually about uh about gwen um and i'm gonna read arthur and rox is gonna read merlin how can i admit that i think about her all the time or that i care about her more than anyone how can i admit that i don't know what i'll do if any harm comes to her why can't you? Because nothing can ever happen between us. To admit my feelings, knowing that, hurts too much. Who says nothing can happen? My father won't let me rescue a servant. Do you honestly believe he'd let me marry one? What are your guys' <laughs> favorite quotes? Yeah, what are your favorite quotes? So, my, um, okay, my favorite quote is from, um, With All My Heart, and it is, that moment where okay it's arthur saying like do you remember when i asked you to marry me do you remember what you said you said with all my heart that's what you said guinevere that was no subterfuge no trickery with all my heart 
and he backs away into the water and it just it makes me want to cry because like you got my favorite line <laughs> yeah It's like she it responds is, to him with all my heart, and it's sweet. Like through it, that and it's that, love between the spouses. <laughs> like their 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 love is strong enough to break spells, and when this motherfucker spell that that line that that phrase that she meant so genuinely, so wholeheartedly, so truthfully, is enough to break through it again. Just those words again. That 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 memory it's like, so well acted really? <laughs> and like, so good. he's just staring at her the whole time and like begging her to listen to him and like the past like four episodes of that fucking season is such a trip because <laughs> you're just like she's not herself and then like when he learns he's so mad at her and you're just so mad with him and it's just well not at her at Morgana but, like it's just yeah, yeah and like Listening to him, like, just lay it out there, it was so, it was just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this speech when, when asked my favorite quote. That was one that came to mind was his, I think about her all the time speech. And it's, it's so, <laughs> but really it just, it gets down to you said with all my heart. It's my URL. It's like literally like you said with all my heart. <laughs> And this is Ella's. That's so hard because I literally love all of their scenes, but I would have to say that I love the scene where Gwen gives Arthur her token and he kisses her for the first time because I just remember how happy it made me and it was just an epic scene with the music and the lighting and how they react afterwards. My favorite scene is the one in the Crystal Cave episode when Arthur comforts Gwen or vice versa where they comfort each other uh, where they just where they hug. I know this is something that May likes a lot, the hugging. <clears throat> and like I like it because as far as I remember there is no telling who comforts comforts whom in this moment and it's just a sweet and affectionate moment between them where they really feel like equals to me. Yes. That yeah. I for, I forgot to say that last episode when asked um, what I like about them, and that was one of the things that I've been kicking myself all week for not specifying. There are scenes, and I and I attribute I give this to Bradley and Angel for their acting that it they it feels genuinely like their titles are stripped away, like their their situations are stripped away, and it's just it's Arthur and Guinevere, and and they play that so well, especially in those embraces and it just it makes me so happy oh. I love it their hugs are so beautiful <laughs> they're so pure alright <clears throat> Roxanne I know you have one that you like at least visually I wrote down that I really like the way that like their first kiss is shot like I think it's really cool like the the director of uh, photography like did like a really cool thing where he put like 
the camera like kind of further away than it would normally go and then like kind of use like a specific lens and like slowed it down and like nobody kind of knew how it was going to look and like he was like no no trust me like I know what I'm doing <laughs> and like it, and like it ended up being really good I don't um I think though that he like he just put like a massive lamp behind like Bradley and Angel and like sorry to ruin the magic for everyone <laughs> it was not the sun it was a lamp like this is a, this is just the kind of thing I I enjoy and uh yeah it looks yeah. like visually very cool and actually it's really cool because obviously it's a bit slowed down like when they like like even when they move a little bit like you've got those kind of like I can't really explain it but it's sort of like their skin like, starts yeah. to look a bit like bumpy in a way because it's like the lights hitting it like in a specific way and it's really really cool from like a visual point of view um and i quite like i i actually quite like the um the scene where uh uh where they're in the tent like before arthur go- uh, goes to his untimely death um to uh like they have have like a like a chat i don't know what they're talking about because i can't remember (laughs) but they're but they're saying something nice and then like they just like go to sleep but it like i i quite liked that like um it was just quite like you know um but also i quite like the uh like the moment just before that well not just before that but like when gwen decides that she's gonna um uh come to the battlefield because i quite like that like i just find it really funny because like it was it was almost like they read my mind when she came out and she was like, I'm coming with you. And Arthur's like, the battlefield is no place for a queen. And I'm like, thank you. And then she's just like, oh, I'm not joining. <laughs> well, no, because she, no, but I love how she's like, I have no intention of joining you there. I was like, thank you. <laughs> it's just like, it was such a funny moment because like, I, like I was expecting like that ridiculous, like I can do what I want. I am no man sort of thing. Um, you know, I'll fight, you know, in a dress on the battlefield. And like, instead, it was just like a really funny moment where she was like, uh, no, I just want to like, like be helpful. (laughs) So it was just really like a nice moment. And I thought it was really cool how, like how they were both like quite matter of fact about it. Like how she was like, oh, you know, yeah, you're probably going to die. And I just want to make sure that I'm like around, you know, for like, for like all these moments absolutely my favorite is that you said with all my heart being it's just i love a lot about them but that's the biggest one i swear that's good yeah rocks you covered it i think we're like that last scene between them where they're just going to bed kind of thing and they're so last night together and you know like re-watching that episode i was so like oh i'm gonna get serious about it like it was so hard because you know that's the last time they're together and then also like ironically the scene where um they can't find arthur after the battle's finished and like i mentioned it last episode because i just i love it so much and it's probably her um angel's acting more than anything but like just where leon comes in he's like we can't find him and she like gets this look on her face and she like stops herself from crying and keeps doing her thing she's like okay keep looking like i don't know it's just like i don't like the wife you know realizing like but she's a queen you know so the queen moving through and past that like (laughs) but i think it's safe to say i'm officially emotionally dead because that was too much but i I don't know if i'm like i'll rewatch the show but not that far (laughs) (laughs) who needs it just like skip through and then it won't be as emotionally impactful but you'll be happy you'll be good (laughs) All right, so 
favorite fan works. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a, shortly back to the popular tropes, a very popular trope is that Guinevere was pregnant when Arthur died. Um, so mm-hmm. that the actor of Camelot is usually with a son. And I, I haven't read many of those, but there's a music video that I just love to death. Um, called Guinevere Pendragon Soldier On by I Love Her TJES. And it's, it's, it's that, that concept that she was pregnant and didn't even realize it until after Arthur had died. Um, but it kind of just goes through the life and, and raising their son. And the music video itself is really beautiful. I watched it many times. <laughs> and I have one more that I absolutely love, um, which is just a, a fan work, like art, um, titled Arthur and Guinevere. On, I, I bought it on Redbubble, and I don't know where, where else the artist has it posted, but it's by Nero749. And, and she, they have two works, Arthur and Guinevere, and then Arthur and Symbol Guinevere. And I love them both, but my favorite is where they're facing each other and the castle's behind them. I have it on a, a card, and I'm going to put it on my wall because it's beautiful. Those are my two favorite works. <laughs> Geeky, what about you? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're new to the fandom. <laughs> I did find a fic um, on AO3, and I'll sh- send you a link. And it's um, it's called Tropes-Arwin by Sneech Star. And it's basically just a bunch of one-shots based on, like, the there's... Um, description their summary is collection of one shots based on fan fiction tropes or cliches and it's just like they took the basic cliches of fan fandom and applied them to our um arwen yeah so i haven't read that i am intrigued (laughs) 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 excellent well i don't like if if I had anything, it probably would be the one of Whimsy Catcher that I mentioned earlier with the with the kids. One I also like, which is not uh, exclusively Arwen, which is also Whimsy Catcher. It's the OT three with Arthur, Gwen, and Merlin, where they are in bed together. Um, it's it's called Three Gather. That like that's the <laughs> title. That's the title of the of the art and like. I feel like you can put this one and the one where Marilyn plays with the children, you could put them together in it. Like they would work in one in one verse in my in my personal head canon. Um so and I apologize for picking something that is not exclusively Arwen, but um <laughs> Well it's them. That's why we have these two, Momo. You I don't know. need to apologize. We fell down on our job. Like. <laughs> But you know you can you can exclude the three together and just look at Merlin with with the kids, which is also a really cute fan work. It's a really cute art. So, I'm real excited for this show. <laughs> this episode come out with all the links. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the that's <laughs> the idea, right? Which already brings us to my favorite part of basically every podcast: statistics. Hey. <laughs> So cool. I took these I took these stats um on AO3 in January on the 22nd. So they are not quite up to date, but I have a feeling that Arwen fandom doesn't produce quite as much as for example Merthyr fandom. So I think the numbers will be fairly accurate uh even today 
when this uh, episode airs, which is the middle of March, even though it's been two months since I checked the stats. But um, yeah, so please bear in mind that these stats are like two months old. So we'll let's start with the official tag for Gwen and Arthur on AO3, which is Gwen slash Arthur Pendragon and I am parenthesis Merlin. And I've mentioned this in the Merthyr episode, which probably Arwen fans will not have listened to, which is fair, honestly. <laughs> but like the uh, the thing AO3 does is they will have a tag for specifically BBC's Merlin. And they will also have a tag for any other version of Arthurian legends. Um, so there is another tag that is called Guinevere slash Arthur Pendragon with no kind of qualifier and parenthesis afterwards. So the, the Guinevere slash Arthur Pendragon is for non-BBC Merlin versions of the ship, although it does include the Merlin version as well, because it's still, like, the Merlin version is still an adaptation of the legend, so it still counts as Guinevere slash Arthur Pendragon. But to make sure that if you want to read, like, Gwen slash Arthur from just BBC's Merlin, you should check the tag, and also if you are posting to AO3, you should only tag it as Gwen slash Arthur Pendragon parenthesis Merlin, because that's the that's the fandom specific tag for this pairing. So there are, as of uh, the twenty second of January two thousand eighteen, two thousand one hundred and ninety six works tagged as Gwen slash Arthur parenthesis Merlin, and two thousand six hundred and eighty works tagged as Gwynaria slash Arthur, which again includes all of the Gwen slash Arthur from Merlin works that I just mentioned. So that means that only 94 works are non-Merlin works on AO3 in this pairing category, because clearly people don't know how to tag. <laughs> this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is a complaint I have a lot. People people <laughs> don't think about how to tag their stuff and and don't do their research. But um, uh, people all like they. It's not a it's not an Arwen fandom specific uh, thing. Merthyr fans just don't know how to tag either. So um, I can't I can't blame their Arwen fans for this. It's it's something no one no like many people don't look into how to do it properly like a lot of the people will tag it as both even though one tag is included in the other automatically but you know whatever i'm gonna go into like top five uh, stuff in a moment and i want to uh, uh give a little disclaimer because a lot of the uh 2000 works that are in the arwen tag on ao3 don't exclusively focus on Arwen as a pairing. Like a lot of the times, unfortunately, and I do feel I do feel for the Arwen fans, I really, really do, is that Arwen will be a past or background ship to something else happening in the fic. And even the stories where Arwen is the only pairing, it will still be a fic that focuses on the friendship between Merlin and Arthur. So I apologize to all the Arwen fans who are listening now, if the top five that I picked per category are not actually exclusively Arwen fics, I did try to like uh, pick out only the ones that actually do focus on the pairing instead of like just like listing the pairings as a background thing happening. 
But if I if I picked one that isn't actually an Arwen-centered fic, please forgive me. I literally I I read the text, I read the summary, um, I read author's notes if they were there to make sure that it's a it's an Arwen fic, and um, I did not read all the fics that I'm listing for. Well, I don't ship it, so you know. I didn't really want to read the, re like, especially the long ones. I didn't want to read them. But, like, yeah, so please forgive me. But this is what I, um, this is what I could find for our top five categories. And I hope it is at least marginally accurate to, um, your own experience and how would you would actually, um, select stories to read. So, Again, 22nd of January, so not maybe not entirely up to date, but uh, at least up to date as of two months ago. And I mean, if you're listening to this podcast in like half a year, you won't care anyway. What was what was the what would be the exact stats today? So, top five by Kudos. The first one is All the Colors in Disguise by Inktomi, which is 3,359 words long, rated general. It was published on the 20th January 2013, so just after the uh, finale aired a couple of weeks before, and it has 1,110 kudos. Second is The Price of Eight for One by Scarlet Goldmist with 42,108 words as of the 22nd of January 2018. It's rated general. It was published on the 16th November 2015 and last updated in October 2017 and it is currently unfinished. It has 846 kudos. Then there is Redemption by Flake Dice with art by Zerda. I hope I'm pronouncing this name correctly. It has 66,659 words. It's also rated general, which is a trend I've noticed, honestly, in, in Arwen figs, like low ratings, which comes back to them being fluffy and cute together rather than sexy. Um, it was, oh dear it was like Mirth of Venom is basically the opposite <laughs> they fuck all the time I say that though listen but e every time that I got like because obviously when you uh, try to filter something by uh, by rating it gives you I think it gives you the it does it in order of like how many there are so like if there is most rated explicit, then that will be at the top. Yeah, yeah. And explicit is always like second to last. I feel like we have really? that. I mean, yeah, I okay. feel like I I might have that impression because I only read explicit, so I probably don't. <laughs> okay, fair. Like, like I, I think I think my yeah my impression is probably because I feel like the the works that are rated uh, mature or higher probably get more attention than the ones that are rated lower. That's probably where this where this impression comes from. Okay, so maybe some in Martha Fenham they don't always fuck. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Anyway, coming <laughs> back to Redemption, which is the fake with the third highest kudos amount in this fandom. It was published on the twenty seventh of August twenty thirteen, and it has five hundred and seventy seven kudos. Then number four is. Wisdom from the Mouth of Babes by Little Owl 329. It has 24,038 words as of the 22nd of January 2018. It's rated teen and up. It was published in on the 7th of May in 2017. Last updated on the 24th of September 2017. Is unfinished and has 467 kudos. And the last one in this category is Loyalty Was Never a Question by Valiant Ginger 
with 27,422 words, rated teen and up, published on the 13th December 2014 and finished on the 2nd of June 2015, it has 394 kudos. So to draw a quick parallel to when we did this for Merthyr, and I know the Arwen shippers are probably sick and tired of us comparing it to Merthyr, but um, I think it's a really interesting comparison, even if you don't personally ship it, which uh, is fair. But like the stats for Merthyr, like all the kudos counts we had in the top five category were all over 5,000 kudos. Oh, wow. And then you look at Arwen, where only the first one I mentioned had kudos over a thousand. Yeah. And like it was just just over a thousand, <laughs> while the one in the top five category for Merthyr had a high account of, like the last one in the top five category, had a count of 6,600 kudos in December 2017, which means it's probably more now. So it just goes to show how small the Arwen fandom actually is. I do feel bad for you guys. I really do. <laughs> like, I've never been in the position where I really, like, hardcore shipped uh, a small or, like, an, a not popular pairing. That's so... my life. Like, I have I have a few small pairings that I ship, but, like, not as much as I ship, like, for example, Martha. Like, I don't get involved in those as much. Like, I'll read something for the ship if it's there, but I don't, like, get upset if there's not more. Or, like, I don't, like, it's okay for me because I don't just, I, I just, like, ship them on the side. <laughs> They're, like, my cute little side yeah. piece, basically, to read in between. <laughs> But... Welcome to the life of a Lancelot and Gwen shipper. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Like... God, that's got to be even worse, probably. Do you know what? Like, I actually tweeted yeah. the other day. I was like, does anybody feel like they should be contributing, like, twice as yeah. much if they you ship should. something that's <laughs> tiny? And, like, yeah. I literally contributed about 90% of fan vids for Lancelot and Gwen while the show was airing nobody else was vidding them and i felt a moral <laughs> obligation and i still vid them to this day because i'm like they need it they're gonna die without me <laughs> so, cool. like yeah i completely understand and that's an even smaller like fandom pairing than arthur and gwen then yeah. no one ships yeah. them like, like they say they do arthur and gwen is generally the second biggest pairing in the fandom like, I'm not More joking, this is the like, second largest pairing in this fandom, and they only get, like, look at the stats. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been, like, like, Wayne with someone. No, I, like, that, like... no I'm pretty, <laughs> sh I'm pretty sure that... Little... Okay, let me... I'm gonna, I'm gonna double check, because I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a good statistician, apparently. So, um, no, you have, um a lot of Merlin Arthur works and then the second biggest chip is Gwen slash Arthur Pendragon they are like if you just t uh, pick out the the fandom on AO3 and then uh, look at the relationships because like you said the the one with the most with the most hits will have uh, will be at the top and then you have Merlin slash Arthur Pendragon parenthesis Merlin is at the top and then beneath that is Merlin slash Arthur Pendragon without the qualifier that it's Merlin. And then you have Gwen and Arthur Pendragon 
in Merlin. And then after that is Gwen and Lancelot. It's like Gwen and Lancelot is the third biggest pairing. Well, you're welcome. But that's just, but yeah, but that is for sure because most of it is like background. in things like, they you know, yeah, like Frank to Merlin and Arthur. Merlin. Yeah, they are yeah like the parents. Yeah. So <laughs> out, of the, like... out of the, to go on a tangent, out of the 1200, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, out of the 1200 works that are Gwencelot, probably like uh, a thousand are at least <laughs> just... Merlin and Arthur is a main pairing and then Gwen Lancelot in the background somewhere. Very much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not bad about that. I'm just saying that that is the case. <laughs> like, yeah, basically. So look at the top five Arwen fakes by comment count. There's the first one. It's called Shattered by... Oh God, I'm probably butchering this, this name. Lindsay. Like, it's spelled L-Y-N-S-E. So it could be Lindsay, could be Lionsy. I don't know. Honestly, I I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> so it is 153,995 words long. It's rated teen and up. It was published on the 29th of September 2013. Finished about a year later in October. And it has, I want to cry for you guys. It has 140 comments. <laughs> Oh, then in man. second place comes back Redemption by Flake Dice with art by Zerda. Uh, and this one has 117 comments. In third place is Destiny's Path by Monjo. I think it's pronounced. 88,000 words, teen and up uh, rating, published in May 2017 and finished in August 2017. And it has 108 comments. Then second to last is called And the World You Promised by Jester Lady with 66,696 words, also rated teen and up, published in August 2013, and it has 106 comments. And the last one in this category is called The Price of Eight for One, written by Scarlet Goldmist with 42,108 42, words. As of the 22nd of January 2018, it's uh, rated general. It was published on the 16th of November 2015 and last updated on the 26th of October 2017. So probably still going. I mean, it was unfinished in January and I'm assuming it's probably still going two years later, three years later almost. And it has 99 comments. And again, comparing this uh, to the biggest ship, where all the comment counts for the top five are all over a thousand comments, and not one of the RN fix even reached that. They're all over a hundred or just under. So either you guys, you Arvin uh, guys, need to up your uh, WIP <laughs> game, <laughs> where you just that's probably it. Publish <laughs> more stuff as WIPs because apparently that's how you get comments. Or so I've heard. I would know I never publish WIPs. Um, or you just, uh, I don't know, need to uh, get more people chipping in. <laughs> Come I, mean, I mean, just on a tangent from that, because like, like, I'm just sitting here listening to this and I'm really kind of wondering, because obviously when you watch a show and you get into the fandom, you kind of latch onto like an OTP. But I've never, um, ha- like... OTP'd for a small pairing in this sense where like 
like for example i otp for lancelot and gwen but like mirtha is like you know the one like the big boy and so it's like but that i think is partly because obviously they are the bigger ship so you can interact like it's a completely different interactive experience when so much content is available but i think that's that's just because more people just seemed to latch onto that pairing but like i'm thinking as well for example like when i was in the glee fandom like Clay was like my baby but like i also otp'd like crazy for rachel and jesse but like because there was so little content for them like it was all about Clay like in the fandom even though when rachel and jesse were on in the show it gave me like major feels so it was like (laughs) so like i still got the same feels whenever they had a scene together but in terms of like fandom like it was more this kind of ship like oh i want to reblog loads of gifts of them on tumblr and like i want to like watch fan vids but like there's no fic for them and like no one really talks about them like because like and it's the same for like lancelot and gwen or like you know merlin and gwen or like i don't know i guess arthur and gwen so like there are all these communities obviously like and tumblers and lj's for like arwen but like what is the experience of like otping for a ship like Owen because in my experience usually what will end up happening is people will just end up like kind of low-key shipping the big boy pairing anyway just because they want to be involved like because obviously as as you can see it's not easy to get involved in the fandom when your fic count is so low right like I don't know yeah well that's that's exactly what I did I genuinely I don't have much interest in Merlin and Arthur as a pairing and like I see why you guys do. I see why yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. But it never it never caught my eye. Even watching the show. I, I was I'm I I'm in love with how in love they are with each other. I just take it as a different kind of love. Um and I really enjoyed their soulmate bond without adding a romance or a or an actual relationship to that. That does not mean I have not read many, many Martha fan fictions because it's what's <laughs> there. Um but in terms of how to ship uh, an uh, an OTT that is unpopular, a rare pair. Song matches are are my life. If I have Arthur Gwen feels, I listen to my Arthur Gwen playlist, which is like um, Fields of Gold by King, Arms by Christina Perry, which is a music video, which is quite good. I Will by Matchbox Twenty, um, Budapest by George Ezra, um, Future by Patrick Wolf. Just like the songs that I've matched to them. Because, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I'm that kind of a temperament where, like, if I can't, if I can't join in, I won't even bother. Because I feel like if I got into a fandom like Merlin and the overwhelming consensus was that everyone shipped something that I didn't, I probably just wouldn't get into the fandom. Like, or or at least not as easily because it just seems like a lot of work, like a lot of hard work. You know what I mean? I I left the fandom. (laughs) I'm getting back into it now. I just I think I like, that's like what happened with me. Where like I found it like because when I was first getting in the internet, I was just getting over Merlin and I was looking for Merlin stuff but couldn't find what I wanted, so I just gave up on it. So yeah. like yeah, and then just didn't search for a fandom. And then rewatching it, I low key like if I had a vo- found a way to like make Merther but also Arwen happen, yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, that is well, what I Well, that's what, that's like, what OT3 is can. for. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I just, yeah, so it's, you, you, for sure with me, it pushed me away, but I also low-key ship both, <laughs> so. <laughs> 
So I just uh while you while you were discussing this, I was just checking like last year's Merlin Big Bang, which is after Kamlan Big Bang. Um and like my my feeling was that you don't get I mean you don't get many pairings that aren't Merlin Arthur in that Big Bang. Um but you get some. And I checked last year, there was no Arwen work, when usually I feel like there's at least one or two, but there wasn't even one last year, which is sad. Wow. I feel like I've, I've failed. My, <laughs> but I did. I still think of them so regularly, just in my bubble with my friends yeah. who ship them. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, not to, like, I don't want to... Um, like no. come off, come across judgy or anything because everyone oh, does fan them the way they want to. But I feel like that's probably how a lot of the Arwen, like that's my impression of the Arwen shippers in general, that they keep to themselves and don't really interact much with the rest of the fandom because I mean they are a minor ship and um, like my personal impression, I might be wrong and I, like this is definitely not you two and also not Ella to whom I've spoken and probably if I spoke to more Arwen shippers I would probably come to uh, see that I was wrong but like my overall impression is that Arwen shippers kind of like I mean fair fair enough avoid Merlin Arthur shippers because it's just not their ship and I mean I don't go out of my way to talk to Arwen shippers either um, but like kind of feels like they don't want to interact with the rest of the fandom or even use chances where fandom is more inclusive of all ships to actually like interact like i'm i'm i mean i would have to like really check and and uh, look at the numbers and and compare but um like there are there are always fests happening in merlin fandom like uh after kamlan like uh, winter nights, uh, holiday exchange, that's that's just Christmas. Um, there's the reverse Big Bang, there is um, currently this month there is Merlin Memory Month on Tumblr going on. We just, uh, we're just finishing the Merladies uh, Fest, which was a, a small fest geared to showcase more fan works uh, centered on female characters in fandom like there are a lot of opportunities in fandom that aren't specifically just merther centric like i think most of the of the challenges and fests aren't just merther it's just that the majority entries are merther because that's what the majority of the fandom ships but like none of them are like exclusive of other ships you know, they're all trying to include other ships and encourage other ships to participate, but I feel like Arwen shippers just don't. Kind I just feel like there aren't yeah. that many of them, though. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there are as many Arwen shippers as there are Mirtha shippers. I think no, the content I mean, of speaks they're for not. itself. There yeah. aren't. There so aren't. The one. But there well, like I, to have no works or, or almost no works. For, like, even if there aren't many, like, even if there are fewer... Arwen or like even much fewer Arwen shippers than there are Merthyr shippers there are still enough to still produce new fix for example and to have produced those 2000 works that are even there even if not all of them are exclusively Arwen centered but there are clearly still active people still shipping it and I don't understand why they don't try to like create more for the fests that do exist in the fandom 
maybe it's just my impression i don't i don't i'm actually wrong and they do create for those fests and i just they're like they just well, don't I've come to mind been. because i don't usually look <laughs> at them but like uh, i don't know like my I'm, I'm the owen ship though is like like i don't know my impression has always been of the owen ship that it's one of those ships where people really get into it while it's on air but because there was obviously very little for it, especially in season five, like you, like you ladies said, you know, there wasn't that much content. I feel like probably what ended up happening was the majority of people that were creating content, the, like the precious few that were around anyway, um, probably went and found new fandoms. Like the majority of like Arwen tumblers that I was aware of, like by the, like already by the finale were like already reblogging about supernatural like and they were like purely arwen blogs like but they were really like but i think a lot of arwen shippers from what i can gather felt very bitter about the end of arthur and gwen were very upset about the fact that they never had a final scene together were very bitter about the fact that everything became about merlin and arthur even though like you know not to like this isn't about me being a Murtha shipper, but that was what the show was always about. So like, I'm I don't oh, know how you yeah. can be surprised with that. Yeah. So, and for, I never yeah. felt that they were lacking. Like they had, we talked about it. They yeah. had their goodbye in the tent. Yeah. They knew that's what that was. Anyway, so, sorry. Yeah. I, no, yeah. no, no, no. Please, uh, like I love their end. I was thinking, and he yeah. still, he was, he still, you know, sent the ring back to her. There's so much silent communication between yeah. the two of them. They had the dying in the arms goodbye just before he was dying you know like they knew it was happening yeah at least that's how i always thought that that was their goodbye but a lot of shippers i think feel very like cheated which is fair enough like if you ship a pairing and it's your otp like i can understand why you're like well why did merlin get the the epic ending and like gwen like basically got shafted and we didn't even get to see her reaction to arthur dying like i get all that but I think that's probably what a turned a lot of people to different fandoms, but also because the ship was very small to begin with when like once people start moving on to other things, because like obviously there's going to be a big drop in content anyway, once something finishes airing, I can imagine if I was a ship, I'd be like, you know, what? I'm just going to go do something else. Like I'm not going to bother. And probably the people that are around now, like I know how it feels when you feel like you're the only person contributing to a ship or you're just like, or it's just exhausting to see like the same fix, like over and over again and nothing's being updated because obviously it's one thing to like be contributing to your ship, but you want to be benefiting as well. And if you're the only one writing, like, well, that's not fun for you because you want to read this stuff as well. So I feel like it's a bit of both, but obviously I wasn't like, we didn't do this podcast when Merlin was airing. Maybe we would have had more takers, but Momo, I think even you can say like, it took a lot of work for us to find you guys. Like it took us like (laughs) over a month, right? Longer. Yeah, it took a, it took a while. And I just uh, checked out of curiosity and wow, I'm, um, I'm I'm feeling depressed just uh, just thinking about it and like in sympathy for you guys. But I just checked um, the Life Journal community, the Pendragons that we mentioned in the last episode, which is uh, a Life Journal community for Arthur and Gwen, and it's um, it's relatively new. I think I might be wrong. I forgot to check the date when it was created, um, but it only has like seventeen people watching it. So oh yeah. Um, and like that's the same one that has the companion on Tumblr, which is also called the Pendragons. Only you have like the dash dash Pendragons dot Tumblr dot com. And um, I don't know how many followers that one 
has. So, you know, might be might be more. But yeah, just going back to check the Pendragons on Life Journal. It was created in September 2016, so it's not an old community, which means um in turn that they're that the seventeen people watching it like they are still shipping it. Like often with communities, you know, you might have like a hundred people watching it, but the community was created while the show was still airing, so probably eighty of those people aren't even on Life Journal anymore. So but with this community, the Pendragons on Life Journal, which is still posting at least once a week, I think, from from looking at it and trying to keep uh, the Arwen spirit alive in fandom. It has 17 people watching it, and those 17 people are probably, you know, actually invested in the pairing to some degree. Like, just looking at the people watching it, I recognize at least uh, three names who are also Merthyr shippers, who apparently also ship Arwen, which is good. I think part of that though is just that LJ is like on its way into the ground. Like but I don't. Th- like, I Merlin think that the fandom. Tumblr following not would be for different. Merlin fandom. A lot of uh, the Merlin fanfic and and other challenges and fests are still run on Life Journal. And I had a a conversation with someone recently who was like, um, like they accept the existence of Tumblr and they will go on it for like like once a week to just uh, scroll through and see what's new. But if, like, challenges or fests are hosted exclusively on Tumblr, they will not participate because, A, they will not hear about it in time, and, B, they just simply won't care. Um, So if it's not something that's hosted on LiveJournal, then uh, a bunch of, like, that's, that's something I found, that, I mean, you have stuff happening on Tumblr that is even exclusively promoted and run on Tumblr, but um, the majority of the Merlin challenges and fests are run on LifeJournal and only promoted on Tumblr. So that's that's where fandom is still active, on LifeJournal. This fandom, at least. I mean, obviously not the, the GIF makers and, and graphics people, because Tumblr is a much better like media to post gift sets in the first place and to promote them and to reblog them and so on and so forth but like for other creative content like especially fic based content you find much more on LiveJournal than on Tumblr coming back to the statistics the oldest Arwen fic on the archive that is exclusively Arwen from what I could tell is called In Good Hands it was written by Tilan it has 316 words it's rated mature, and it was published on the 17th of November 2009. Yeah. Oh, An adventure 300 words. <laughs> yeah. And the newest one I checked uh, before we started recording this morning. Again, it's the newest that I could find out that looks like it's exclusively Arwen. It's uh, called Utopia by Vogue91. It has only 124 words. It's right general, and it was published on the 20, 28th of February 2018. So those are the oldest and the newest one. And the longest Arwen fig. Do you guys uh, want to take a guess how long the longest Arwen fig is? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm content to just hear. 200k? <laughs> that's that's not too bad. 
It's uh, 273,117 words long. It's rated teen and up. It was published in late July 2013 and finished... No, I'm sorry. Last updated in February 2014. It is unfinished at 77 out of 80 chapters. It is a fic in French, which is a first (laughs) for this podcast. (laughs) It's called... um, God... I, I did used to know French, and I think I can pronounce this, but if any people who speak French much better than I do are listening, uh, cover years, I suppose. Um, it's called <laughs> Une question de motif, which is uh, in English a question of motive. And it was written by Julie Deneuve-Zéro. So that's the longest one. And the shortest one is even shorter than the newest one. Uh, it's called Parent Teacher Conference. It was written by Ezekiel's. It's rated general. It was published in February 2013, and it is 54 words long. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the last part of this podcast, which is recommendations. We did ask Ella. Oh, yeah. We did ask Ella for some recommendations, but um, Ella seemed uncomfortable to just wreck a few works, so they left us a bunch of links to several fic collections, and we will post them to our blog for anyone who wants to check them out. Among those collections are Ella's personal bookmarks on AO3, an AO3 collection for Arthur and Gwen stories, and Ella's bookmarks on fanfiction.net. That takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Rox, last uh, last episode you asked if Camelot Love is still active, and it is not. Yeah, I didn't think it was. That sounds like it wouldn't be. But I actually think that, because I was thinking about this when we were talking about AO3, I know that we only do a- um, AO3 stats on here, but I think you'd be really surprised probably how many Arwen fix are on FFnet that weren't cross-posted to AO3. And probably LifeJournal as well. I mean, if you if you know where to look, like probably if you go through Camelot Love on LifeJournal, you will probably find a bunch of Arwen fix that never made it to AO3 for one reason or another. So <clears throat> people go so on. Like, I'm only going by... Um, oh, God, I won't be able to actually... Do you know what? I'm just going to quickly check now because I think on LJ, uh, sorry, on AO3, Merlin is like nowhere near the top spot now when it comes to like um, uh, fix being written. Or maybe it is, I can't remember, but uh, on FFNet, I think it's like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's about like 12th on like all TV show, like fat. Wow. Um, fanfics and it's not been airing for like five years nearly now and just to point out like how many like like how much of a backlog ffnet still has the other fandom that i was in which was still heavily posting on ffnet at the time was glee and glee now is like even though it still posts like it's still quite low down on ao3 to my knowledge it's second on ffnet only to supernatural (laughs) So it's like and that's only because Supernatural like, has been running for a thousand years. Yeah. There's a hundred a hundred and eight K like like works and Supernatural has hundred and twenty two K on FFnet. I'm not gonna check AO3 now because I can't be bothered, but so I think that for, I mean 
it's I think it's a bit harder to filter stuff on FFNet, but it's definitely a resource if, like, you know, Owen shippers want to have a look and see what older fix there are there. They're probably loitering there. So, I actually have FFNet open um, because I was looking through while you guys were reading the AO3 stats because I tend to read off of fanfiction.net more than AO3 because AO3 confuses me. Yeah, and so with the filters set at um, time range all, genre all, and all ratings, and then English for language, except, yeah, I'll just change it to generic language. And then Gwen and Arthur pairing, there are 279 fix. Ooh. That's, yeah, that's, and that's, wow. Ouch. Yeah, and that's out of, hold on, how many fix? Like, 3k? Uh, did you, no, did you, far more. AO3 had 2k of fix, or of work. Tw- yeah. Where, 20, 25.3k on FFNet of Merlin fix. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you have to, to be fair, to be fair, on FFNet, you only tag, like, the main pairing, right? You don't tag all the pairings, while on AO3, you can tag basically as many pairings as there are in the story. And so on AO3, even if you have over 2,000 works for Arthur Gwen, a lot of them will have Arthur Gwen as pass or background pairings. So, background. so while, yeah. you know, 297 so or what it was on, on FFNet... Does not is not a lot. Like it really is not a lot. But <laughs> so little. But it's something. But you can be sure that those almost three hundred figs probably focus on actually Arthur and Gwen as a pairing. I do have a question. Did you in your search? Did you check the the pairing button? Because they're like, is this a pairing? And you um, can say yes. When I did Arthur and Gwen, yeah. That is a fairly new thing. <laughs> fairly new. Yeah, that's very uh, so new. So if we're looking for older stories, then those won't have that pairing check on. Okay, because if I so, uncheck so the we might get check. more results. Yeah, because yeah, anything written like later, earlier than last year, won't have yeah. that pairing on. Yeah. yeah. If I uncheck it, it's 2000, so. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's much better. <laughs> there we go. Still not great, but much better. <laughs> Yeah, it's not 200. <laughs> so that'll be they'll be the main characters in that. So we got some uh, video recs sent in from our most active listener who leaves a lot of comments. <clears throat> Woodland Goddess 1 uh, sent us uh, some video recs. The first one is called Somebody to Die For. It was uh, vidded by Tufinas however you pronounce that name. Uh, the second one is called Sinners by I Love Hurtius. And the third one is What Hurts the Most by Miss Daydreamer 101. I haven't I haven't watched them, I'm sorry. And Woodland Goddess didn't provide any further explanation for why they wrecked them, but I trust that they will be awesome. I can say Sinners is beautiful. I love the song match of it. So I've got, uh, they're all relatively oldish, uh, because, um, they're by people that I was like friends with. That's why I was watching them in, um, in the first place. They were amazing editors. Uh, one of them is called The Place Where I Belong by I Like You 31. I've wrecked her a million times before. She was a good friend of mine and she's incredible. And, um, it's to the song Home by Daltrey, 
which is an amazing band if you like kind of soft rock, like soft edge nickel back kind of stuff. <laughs> Check them out. They're amazing. Um, it's just really good. It's like relatively short, but it's just like kind of fluffy. So you guys will probably enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I really like it. Then this one is like, from what I understand, it's like really popular in like in the R1 YouTube community. And it's called uh, You Really Care About Her by Special Is You. And um, yeah, so this one is really short as well, but it's uh, it's to a full track. It's just the track is really short. It's to an instrumental track from... Um, it's called Loss of a Twin uh, by, oh, God, it's like a, it's like an instrumental track from a movie. I have a feeling it might be from one of the Transformers movies, actually, but I can't <laughs> remember. When you go onto the actual, like, like if you type in Loss of a Twin into YouTube, it will come up. I think it's by a composer called Brian Tyler. Um, and it's just like a quotes one. And the coloring is really gorgeous. And, like, it's it's one of those that even though, like, it didn't give me like shipper feels. I, rem- I remember thinking like, oh, this is like really like well put together and like the music is just really like stirring. And I've actually used the music before for a, an Uther and Morgana video <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. And then the last one is by the video that we mentioned before. I'm not going to try and pronounce because I can't. Uh, it's called um, You Make Me Whole. And it's uh, it's an AU. It's um an Orpheus and Eurydice AU. There we go. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's basically like Gwen is killed by snakes and Arthur has to like, um, he has like the whole horn thing and like, don't look back, which is obviously like kind of what the whole Uther Pendragon thing was. Like that was like taken from like Eurydice, but like, it's just like, this is actually used for like Arthur and Gwen and like, um, they, yeah, they show her like coming back to life. But, but it's basically like she dies and then like the majority of the video is like in flashback and you've got, um, the song is, uh, uh, Pieces by Red, which is just like a really like good angsty song. <laughs> it's just like really, <laughs> God, it's just like really, really angsty. It's like, um, yeah, it's really, really good. And uh, it works really well for this kind of context because it's all about like how someone doesn't know how to like carry on without like this particular person in their life. And it's just like really, really good. And yeah, the the editing is gorgeous. Like they're a really, really great editor. I really, really love their stuff. So yeah, those are my my picks. I actually like, ha- like have seen tons of Arwen vids in my time, but these were the ones that I thought like stood out the most. <laughs> yeah, you guys should definitely go and watch those because they are really, really good. So they awesome. are Rex. There's a blog I follow, Sapphire Swimmings, who is .com, and they're multi-fandom, completely different. But before I got involved with any of you guys, um, they were probably one of the only blogs I followed that posted Merlin. So I wanted to give them a shout out. So my First wreck is something I promised Woodland Goddess in our talk back to part one of this episode. So I'm coming back to this finally. It's a uh, Merlin Morgana Gwen Arthur OT4 story. Uh, it's called An Ever Fixed Mark. It was written by Imperfect Circle. It's rated general. It's uh, 14,810 words long. There is a pod fig available, which is why I have uh, consumed this fig in the first place. The pod fig was read by Kalakiria. It's almost two hours long. And the summary for the story reads, 
in a world with very different marriage rules a noble wedding and a magical threat still can't make merlin arthur gwen and morgana talk about their feelings and it's basically like the way marriage works in this verse is that two couples get married to each other but like the people in the couples get married to each other but also the couples get married to each other so you have sort of a four-way marriage and it's like all the pairings in this four-way thing work but i think if i remember it correctly there is a bit of emphasis on like um merlin morgana and arthur gwen if i'm not entirely wrong if i am i'm sorry but um yeah it's definitely it's definitely an interesting read or uh listen if you want to listen to the pod fake so i definitely recommend that for anyone who's interested in this ot4 even just marginally and then my arwen only wreck is a story called trust lay down your burdens written by such heights and podfig by sophonispa it's uh 1067 words fic which is about 10 minutes of podfic um it's rated explicit it's basically a short porn ficlet and the summary <laughs> the summary reads will you trust me tonight so that gives you gives you an idea of uh what's happening there uh yeah so those are my my two recommendations and that finally brings us to the end of this episode wow (laughs) so yeah next time we are finally going to talk about morgana again um well for you guys the first time for rocks and me it will be the second time thank you again geeky and may for coming on this eventful journey with us thank you for having us we would definitely love having you back anytime you feel like getting up in the middle of the night or staying up uh, late into the night hey i volunteer to cry with you i will be crying on you (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah, this will be it for this week's Melissa. Like I said, we'll be back next week with Morgana, and then we're finally back on proper schedule um, at some point. <laughs> so I have been Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And our guests were. Geeky Zelda. And me. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.